go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm so excited for my birthday party, my rave birthday party, which is this Saturday. And I know I told you guys the story about how when my party planner was over, I kept making like bleep noises, like boop, 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 because in my head, everybody knew that the song was happening. I saw my brother this past weekend at Cash Creek Casino that I played in Northern California, um, which was an awesome gig. And I told my brother about the rave and we're talking and I just went boop, boop, boop. And my brother doesn't didn't miss a beat, and he points at me and goes, bitty, bitty, boop, bitty, bitty, boop. He's like sandstorm, right? <laughs> so there is at least someone out there who's on my wavelength, on my well, on my level. That's very sweet. Boop. Boop. Better off alone, Alice DJ. Um, super excited for that. Uh, how are you? Mm, I I tripped on my way in here on the cat's ripple mat and like pulled something in my hand because I was carrying a bunch of stuff. So very cool. Very cool. The world is so small. (laughs) So small. Um, Uh, But yeah, my next gig is Vegas, March 10th and 11th at the Wynn. So if you're debating coming to Las Vegas for a nice classy time, that sounded sarcastic, but I did mean it. Come on out and see me at the Wynn. That's my new home. First time there. And uh, that's the next gig coming up. But uh, everybody's dying to know. Eliza, how was your 40th birthday? Mm-hmm. It was very, it was simple. It was lovely. I got a lot of beautiful flowers. And Noah got us seats at this coveted Japanese restaurant in downtown LA. Very exclusive. Very expensive. And they served me a menu of almost completely items that I don't eat. <laughs> And I felt so bad. It was almost as if they sat down. They were like, what are like the six things Eliza doesn't eat in a Japanese omakase? I don't even think, I can't even think of anything you don't eat. Like, what are you, what are you talking? You're not a, you're not a picky eater. I don't think I am. Noah's even less picky. There's just certain things that I'm just like, like, I don't like a silver skin fish, like a mackerel. Mm. I never want that sushi. I'm not a snail fan. I'm not like an organ fan, like monkfish liver. I tasted everything and everything was so expertly and exquisitely prepared, but I still was just like, I'm never going to eat baby eel. Like it looks just like, they look like noodles, but it's eels. You can hear the little heads crunching. So it was, I can appreciate why it was beautiful, but I just got loaded and came home. 
but it was just that he tried and did that and it was so special. Did he get to eat your and servings? I, he definitely ate my servings and we got snails and I asked to keep the shells and they're in our kitchen right now. So everybody wins. For what are you doing with those? I'm just going to have shells. I think when you see a shell, you're like, it's gorgeous. And then you put it in your house. You're like, I live in Florida. <laughs> like it never looks elegant. <laughs> no, it's tough. It's tough. But you love a found them. item. You love a little basket of pine cones. I love a basket of pine cones. I do. I love a little bit of nature brought into your house. <laughs> so, folks, do we have any updates? Well, this that would is make the me so pre, happy. This is post-real birthday, pre-birthday party. Next week will right. be post-birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> it's just all around, all revolves around the birthday party, like the sun. It's, it's 40. It's a big deal. Oh, shit. As we were talking just now, I realized today was my stepmom's birthday and I had written it down and the day was so crammed that, you know, those days where like you don't even look at your phone. You're just wall to wall because you had like a sip extra of coffee. So now you're just wired. So what I do is I take a screen grab of my Outlook calendar and I send it to people to be like, see, I did have it written down and I forgot, but you were written down. <laughs> so really, you're welcome. What, what warmth and... Joy and computerized that. warmth. Just it's it's the thought that counts, not what I did. Kick it. Hello, amazing people with all the answers. Love the show and anxiously await each week's episode. A few weeks ago, I had my wisdom teeth pulled and missed an episode, but the following week, I was so ecstatic to have two episodes to listen to back to back. <laughs> I, 25 female, grew up in a small town in the South. My parents immigrated to the States from an Eastern European country 20 plus years ago, but by relying on their children to translate, have never gotten around to becoming fluent in English. They came with absolutely nothing, no money, no education or resources, but have the strongest work ethic of anyone I have yet to meet. Growing up, my mom cleaned houses and started her own business that I helped translate for and went with her to help clean. I always thought after high school, I would take a couple of business classes and grow her already impressive and loyal customer base. But once I started college, I fell in love with the sciences and decided to pursue a career in STEM instead. Growing up in my hometown, we were the poor immigrant people that all the Southerners were kind to but looked down upon in terms of class. I stayed near my hometown for university. I met a whole different set of people who still saw me as a poor kid, even as I was kicking butt in my degree as a scientist. I'd still help my mom out, and eventually people I knew started hiring my mom. A weird dynamic for sure, but while my mom was glad to have the new customers, I needed to draw a line because I didn't want to go to my peers' houses and clean their toilets. Not out of embarrassment of the job, but of the influence it would have, I need to be seen as an equal. Fast forward, yeah. I am now at a competitive doctoral program, a year from getting a PhD in material sciences, a specific, quote, friend of mine will in random text chains with me ask if my mom can clean her house. This person has asked me in the past to do so also saying I was so good at cleaning even when I was already graduated and working a career job. Is it wrong of me to feel offended at this? I have no ties to my mom's business anymore. I live across the country. My professional social circle consists of people shortlisted for the Nobel Prize. And yet I feel from this friend and others in my hometown that I always remain the poor immigrant kid with no class or status. Do I tell these people off or do I just cut them out and accept that they will view me that way no matter what I accomplish? Thank you for your insight and wisdom. You will always have, I mean, I can hear it in the way that you're writing, like you live the American dream. You guys came here with nothing. Your parents did all this so that you could have these opportunities and your mom started a business. It's all incredibly, 
impressive. I get that it's because it's cleaning like up after people. It's not about being embarrassing, but it's not the most prestigious job. It's not like your mom's a teacher, which is still not paid great, but at least, you know, you're not cleaning toilets. Nobody ever wants to admit that like, that's not awesome. But what's awesome and impressive, and I think you are proud of it, is all of that. So I think you have some baggage from that. And I think you have to be okay with saying like, I have no connection or like, feel free to text her, LOL. Like I don't run her. I don't, we're not affiliated. But because you are offended, that's why you're having an issue with it because it is still very triggering. Mm -hmm. Because it's not like someone's like, oh my God, your mom makes the best cakes at Christmas. Like, do you think she'd give me one? And you're like, I don't know, let me find out. And this person may not be seeing you in the light that you want to be seen. So you have to simply say, you're like, I am completely across the country and don't, I don't work with her. Do you need her number? I, if they've done it more, but you're saying they've done it more than once. So that means that you've been like, okay, let me go check. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like this person when they were at home also helped clean the house because they would go help their mom. But it's, this person has a massive, not un- earn chip on their shoulder, like understandably. <laughs> it's annoying that people are asking that, but it is, you know, because you, I don't know how close you are to this other person and you live across the country from them. Like maybe they don't know what you're up to. Like, I don't know what material science is. Like, it sounds like maybe you're just a student working or something. So just for a second, maybe imagine that they're not coming from a place where they're seeing what you do is diminutive. Like maybe they're thinking they're helping you. Mm-hmm. And if they aren't, I just, I don't think a lot of people wake up thinking of like ways to disrespect someone that they're friends with. She might be thinking you need that. And I think that it's worth, if this is a good friend of yours, I think it's worth being like, it's kind of like, I don't shine shoes no more from Goodfellas. Like go get your shine box, you know? You have that chip. That's why it's charged. And so in the kindest, sweetest way, just be like, um, I can always provide you my mom's number. That's it. And just don't, if she ever asks you to clean, be like, I don't, just be like, I don't clean houses anymore. It's it's that thing of someone who who's like, are you cheating on me? Are you cheating on me? Are you cheating on me? Because they're cheating. You're very worried. You're like, oh, other people think that this is a demeaning job because I think it's a demeaning job. Like all, you're saying all my friends are Nobel Prize future winners. All my friends, I'm doing right. something high class. I don't associate with that anymore. It sounds like the only person who really has a problem with your mom's job is you. And not to even say that you have a, a real problem, but that you've grown up your entire life kind of contending with how it makes you feel about what you're trying to accomplish. So I think no one's thinking about it. Or yeah, we don't know. So yeah, you just be like, I haven't cleaned your house in a while, LOL. Do you need my mom's number? Or just, I don't clean houses anymore. it's tough because you aren't speaking to them so you can't infer anything or you could just not answer them. Or you could just say, like call them and be like, hey, I, you're saying they've done it a couple of times. So like, did you clean it recently? Or were you like, oh, I can't. Or were you just like, I don't clean houses anymore and I I, I don't do it when I'm home. It's not fun. It could also be, so this person has, their parents don't speak English. So they've been doing the translating. So they've been doing the booking. So they're just like part of it they're a part of the system. And I'm sure that when they were a kid and their mom was building this business and they had to be translating to book appointments and they resent still being in that space of booking the appointments for the mom. Okay, so who books them now and just transfer them over to Loretta or whatever? 
or just don't answer if this person like really after all these years doesn't have a way to get a hold of your mom and your mom doesn't speak any English like someone's doing it yeah my bigger issue is that they've asked multiple times so I'm just like what have you been saying but just be like I don't I'm, I'm not involved in my mom's business I can pass along the number for you if you like very busy and then studying. never do it again yeah you could do that but you don't like being looked down at and you feel that that's what's happening and it might or you're charging what they're saying mm-hmm. and once I google what a material scientist is I will get back to you This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time, no additional charge, and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Eliza. I'm busy and this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby. I'm back to work. I'm at meetings. I'm on tour. I'm running around and I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza.
Anonymous Bouncing Battery Baby here with love to everyone at the pod. I was listening to the latest episode and I had to share another phrase that Eliza might like. When I was a kid, my siblings and I were very messy, in part because we were brats who expected the cleaning lady to tidy up. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But when she did, our toys would go missing only to turn up in the weirdest places. Our mother explained that we were being subjected to punitive cleaning. And if we expected someone else to put our things away, we couldn't complain about where that was. As far as I can tell, no one else used the phrase that way, but I wish they did. I feel like it's not quite the same as malicious compliance, just for how laser focused oh God, it is so on what we did to make the tidying necessary in the first place. Punitive cleaning. It's like punitive damages. So like, what is the definition of punitive? Inflict- By the way, if we had one of those big podcasts, we'd be like, hey, Kelly, look it up. Yeah. Inflicting or intending as punishment. <laughs> both immediately Googled it. You know what? I appreciate that, Eliza. You're down in the producer muck. You were like, I need to look it up too. (laughs) But I still look down on you for the job you do. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it's annoying because it's like, if that's like, it's annoying that kids don't clean up after themselves. But like, if that's her job, I think that that's kind of bullshit, by the way. Like, then don't take the job. Um, But that's kind of like, yeah, when you do a job, but you do it shitty. Or you're like, oh, I, I... It's the same as doing a job poorly. It's like, if you want me to, if you want me to wash these dishes, they're going to get broken. I mean, it's a little bit, it's a very, it's a more specific malicious compliance because it's like, I'm complying, I'm cleaning everything, but I'm going to make it a little hard for you. Yeah. That's, I, I like that punitive cleaning. If anybody else has any of these weird adjective, verb, adverb, noun combos, would love to hear them. Human, human speech. Hi, Eliza. Baby arm. These are um, all like little things. These are all like, all these questions are like little things. I'm pissed about a little thing. Why are you doing a little chip? I mean, little chip. Next, I have a very important question for you about you. Hi, Eliza. Baby oh. arm. Emily, smoky husky and sweet, sweet, Scotty too hottie. Longtime listener. First time question asker. Firstly, saw you in my home country of Ireland and screamed teeny cheeny when you mentioned Tianfu at the gig. My main question is not wedding or relationship related. Simply, how the hell did you walk on your tippy toes during the Montreal gig back in the day? I saw you perform live in Canada just for laughs. And when you were doing the drunk girls on a night out, but you managed to do a ballet style stance in motherfucking Converse. That's talent. Also fried shrimp. Uh, you know, I always, that is the answer. I'm in Converse. They have a very thick rubbery toe. I guess I just did it, but it's really hard to do in any other shoe. Um, but if you have enough rubber at the toe, you can balance for a little bit. And I guess I just did it. I can still do it. I just have like a lot of quad control. I don't know. Maybe it's like big toe control. I guess it's just one of those skills that I take for granted. I guess. That's my answer. It's not like a magic trick. I bet you could do it too. If, with like a balance bar and some converse. <laughs> Here's the truth. I had coffee... And I drank it all day and then I drank it and I realized, oh my God, it's four o'clock. I'm still drinking this coffee. And now I am like rocket ship to the moon. It's very hard to sit still. If you drink coffee past a certain point in the day. It's too like, I don't know. I'm going to need like a horse tranquilizer to go to bed. <laughs> which by the way, which just means I'm answering double questions because I'm going so fast, so speedy, so thorough. Hi, Eliza and crew. To your listener who wrote in about their mom being a poor gift giver. My mom wasn't great at giving gifts, and this is how I got around it. I spoke to my mom and explained that I have a particular style and only like to buy things I need rather than own a lot of stuff. If she insists on giving gifts, I'd much rather Mm. experiences. 
time together, dinners, tickets to shows, including yours, outdoor activities, cool creative workshops, time away. That way I get more time doing things I love. And when she brags, it's things we've both benefited from and done together. It really helped our relationship and removed a lot of anxiety around gift-giving seasons. Thanks. Your mom's like, great, I'll just give you tons of couples massages where you rub me. Uh, I feel like the questions about those are always like, we tell them we don't want it or we want other things and they don't do it. But that's great that Emily is sourcing answers for the questions. These people come to me. Soon, yeah, soon they're just going to answer each other's questions and you're just going to be Becomes an AI. Like, I basically become like Angie's list. I, I'm Craigslist. <laughs> Which for... is now just Angie's, I believe. No list? Yeah. They must have, the Craig's associations were too negative. Like we want all, we want hookers to find work on our page. We want creepy male roommates to find their next victims on our page. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually, to say I'm really interested in these types of gifts. I just hope that the person hears that or doesn't give you like a weird, like it's sponge making with your grandma. Yeah, these people I feel like have been specific and people are just like, well, I gave you something anyway. The answer is I think a part of life is enduring weird gifts. Yeah. And it is about the person giving it. Rarely is it about you. And if those two things can be on the same page, that's even better. But you will go through life just donating a lot to Goodwill and just never think about it again. And some people are really naturally good gift givers, I think. Like some people remember exactly things that you've said or they know exactly what you like. I think it's a skill just the way that some people remember yeah. birthdays. My manager, I'm not a name brand person, but on Instagram, I posted a picture of these white boots that I got for my birthday rave. And they weren't, I don't know if they were cheap or expensive because everything's expensive. They were $100 and they're made of like garbage plastic. And I got them on Hollywood Boulevard and they make me so tall, but I don't think they're designed with like a human foot in mind. Like I'm afraid that I, it, I was going to bring a backup pair and I was like, this sucks because they're great for the outfit. And I've been having like anxiety about these shoes and how once I take them off, the outfit's ruined. My manager gifted me for my birthday because she can't be there. Also, it's my 40th birthday. A pair of white Prada, like heeled boot sneakers that oh. have like mini fanny packs attached to them. They are so fucking sick. And it's something I would never buy for myself. Well, she's just so Man. cool. Your manager just dresses. She just knows like the cool spot. She knows the cool clothes. Such a fucking flex. Um... <laughs> So those were dope. I still gonna. I'd still rather have her at my party. But what was the point of that? Uh, we're talking about gift giving. So, oh yeah, how it's a skill. Some people are great at it, and they they put. I think the truth is a lot of people don't put real thought because if you really sat down and thought, I mean, look, that's a lot of money, and you're not expected to do that. But it could be a card you write. It can be, oh, I know that you like this coffee. I know you like baths. I got you this season bath salt subscription. But I think people give you a gift sometimes that's fun to give for them. And then you're like, cool, how many of these like photo books of like blurry pictures do I need? So there's that. Hello, Eliza and Emily and all otherwise involved. I'll get right to it. My boyfriend, let's call him D and I have been together for three years this February. I love him so much and I think he is the coolest. Our relationship is great. While we've been through some challenges, my cancer recurrence after only one year together, along with some family struggles on his side, I always thought our ability to talk to each other and his patience really kept us in such a good spot. Dee is 30 and I'm 28. 
I began graduate school across the country. We're from Montana. And he stayed home because he runs a business there. So we've been doing long distance since August, 2022. He visited in the fall for six weeks. Then I went home with him over Christmas for two weeks. Now we're in the spring semester and he hasn't booked his flight to visit me again while I'm in school, but he plans to. A few days ago, Dee told me that he had been reflecting on a conversation we had recently where I expressed some frustration. He was feeling like Dee doesn't actively think of me in his future planning. For example, I have to ask multiple times when he'll visit, and then he plugs me into a schedule that he thinks will work for him instead of talking to me and working through the best times for both of us. He told me over the phone a few days ago that he doesn't really see me in his future, but he sounded so conflicted. He said the distance has been a lot harder since January, and he's not sure that he is, quote, in love with me, but he, quote, loves me. He was crying, and this is so unlike him in general, and honestly, I feel more worried about him than worried for myself. We talked for a while, and we're sad. I really just feel confused, like it does not make sense to me that he isn't in love with me. I know he loves me so freaking much, and he's very attracted to me. Where's the difference between in love versus I love you? He's going to visit me in a few weeks, and I am glad, but also nervous. How do we talk this through with complete understanding? He isn't the best at sharing feelings. And then I hear that he's questioning if he wants to be in a relationship with me moving forward. How do I respond to that? How do I reassure him? I have a feeling I know what you'll say, but I could use a hot take on this emotional mind funk. <laughs> best of all, and I have Noah's cookbook on my list of things to buy. I love that. The difference between in love versus love is in love is I will find a way to visit you no matter what. And love for you is we will figure it out. And you're doing the girl thing. We're like, this guy is telling you I'm not in love with you. I don't see you in my future. And he's hurt because he's not a bad guy and he has feelings and he's bummed out, but he's real. He's telling you who he is and how he feels. And you're like, I don't get who you are or how you feel. He is telling you and he will come visit and it will be uncomfortable and you will have some weird sex and then he will leave and he'll probably won't call you for a little bit. It doesn't have to be over, but I think the best thing to do is to just give it some space. So this guy is back home, back in Montana. He's running his business. He's doing his life things. And you are in grad school. You guys are both doing intense things. You're like fully living your lives. And there may not be room. You're making room. You are the busy. I mean, I guess he's pretty busy running a business, but like you are off pursuing your dream and you are making room for him. And he is not even from a bad place begrudgingly, but like sort of doing the same. When Mm -hmm. a man loves you, he will move mountains. If your issue is that he's not like lunging at the chance to see you, you know, there is the version where he is just a quiet guy and he's not as expressive. But I think the best thing to do is to have a beautiful conversation and give it the space and say to him like, do you want to take a break? Like, I'm okay with that. Because then you'll get the real thing. What you don't want to do is cry and be like, I can't believe it. And then he like stays in this relationship even longer. And you're like, if you didn't love me, why did you leave me on? Like you're forcing him to give you the answer that he doesn't want to give you that way. But he's not feeling it. He's busy living his life. It should be the other way around. Like he should be like, I can't wait to see you. Like it should be equal at least. You don't have time for this. You don't have time to like consider this and and make feel like I'm worried for him. Worry about yourself. Worry about your feelings and protecting your feelings and finishing grad school. Yeah. Don't let this affect your studies either. Uh -uh. Hello, Eliza. Emily, hot Scotty number one. Hit it. Hot Scotty. Smokey Husky and the rest of the AIA cast and crew. 
I'm currently working on my master's, humanitarianism and conflict response, and I'm slowly beginning the job search process. The one thing I hear from everyone in established and fulfilling careers is that the career path will not be a straight line and new and interesting opportunities will present themselves along the road. While I feel like I have taken this to heart, it is so hard not to get overwhelmed by the unknown as I start this journey. Eliza, as someone who has stitched together a career through comedy and Emily with your recent career change, do either of you have some words of wisdom as I set out on my own career path? Thanks. Sophia from Austin, Texas, but studying in the UK. Well, as a stand-up comic, if there's one thing I'm well-versed in, it's conflict response. (laughs) (laughs) Look, we don't do anything. I mean, I, I could sit here and be like, here's how our jobs are similar. The only thing, and I... This is a huge part of show business, which is so unstable. You don't know till you go. You don't know till you go. And what will happen is you'll look back five years from now and you'll be like, wow, like look at all these weird little things that led to the eventual job I had. Show business is a lot more cobbling together. I'd imagine yours is a little bit more direct in that like you apply for a job, you get it, you create stuff. There is, you're not gonna know. You have to be okay with that. You have to be confident in your abilities and what you've applied for and open to the fact that things take time, things won't go your way, but there's no crystal ball. Like you can't get frustrated. And this is life. This is anything. This is leaving your house. And so just being open to that and just knowing like, I hate to say like, it's about the journey, but it's like, keep your head down, be intrepid and keep moving forward and like never lose your hustle because you only have, have a finite amount of time to do these things. And just be open to it. Somebody asks you to do a study somewhere. Somebody wants you to take a crazy job. Like I'm always pushing myself to take gigs and jobs that like kind of scare me or that are out of my comfort zone. And sometimes I don't get anything from it. Sometimes I do an audition that I know I'm not going to get. And I don't, but at least I tried. Like at least I can say I tried. Constantly scare yourself. What about you? I mean, I... I take a pretty linear path. I don't like change. I think when you have a degree like humanitarianism and conflict response, you go where it calls to you. I have a PR and a psychology degree. So I kind of am just like, hey, do you need uh, somebody who can speak and write stuff? And they say, okay. Yeah. You're a house cat. But I do think, I took. I had to convince you to do this. You were like, no, I just want to die alone on a hole. And I was like, please come do this podcast and let people love you. I think the benefit of having a degree like that, like you're guaranteed a position, a paycheck, like you have a job um, and you have a job where people need you. It's not like you're a street performer where it's like, nobody wants this. So just buckle up. And if you do your job well, like get ready for a lot of people to want you. And that's it. Just have fun with it because you're going to be so old one day. Oh, I'm <laughs> just, if you're lucky. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm just always say I more I do my best to always say yes. It doesn't always work out, but at least I'm cooler for having had these experiences. Like the one time I didn't meet, but stood next to Tom Brady in an elevator. And I'm different now. Kick it. (laughs) 
When you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like, "Mm, French. It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, a few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. Mejor. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. I do think there's something to be said for ordering something of quality and every once in a while getting a nice package in the mail with a product that you're going to own for a long time. Let me tell you about Bolin Branch's signature sheets because they're the perfect way to start upgrading your sleep, your room, the look of your room because they're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They are made with the finest 100% organic cotton. These sheets feel buttery soft yet super breathable and they're perfect for warmer summer months ahead. We have a house that we go to in the summer and I got all Bolin Branch sheets for the beds because we're having a lot of guests this year and I want them to feel like they're at a nice bed and breakfast that they didn't have to pay for. Bolin Branch sheets are free from toxins like synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde. I bet you didn't know that was in your sheets. And their signature sheets come in 14 versatile colors and they come in sizes from twin all the way up to California King. And Bolin Branch has a 30-night worry-free guarantee, which means you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them for any reason, you can send them right back with free returns on all U.S. orders. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Go to bolinbranch.com slash Eliza for 15% off your first sheet set, plus free shipping. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com slash Eliza for 15% off. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, Liza, Emily, and all the furry friends. I love the podcast. Been listening from the beginning. I'm a huge stand-up comedy fan, and Eliza is hands down my favorite. My husband and I saw you in Cincinnati when you were very pregnant, and I was so impressed with your dedication and energy. We did the meet and greet, and Hunter came out and chatted with my husband and I for a bit, and he was so nice. Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> what if somebody wrote in and was like, Hunter was so mean to me. Like, I, it would, I, we would never buy it. We'd be like, who are you talking I'd honestly, to? Yeah. I'd be like, what did you do? Yeah. You did something bad. He's the nicest. Did you poke the bear? You poked the bear. <laughs> oh, anyway, let's okay. get into it. It's a doozy. I got married in June 2022. We wanted our wedding to be small and casual and just be a fun day with all our closest family and friends. It turned out wonderfully, with the minor exception that our photographer took not one photo at our reception. <gasps> it's fine. I'm not still bitter about it. Whoa. Whoa. Our wedding officiant was someone I have considered Whoa. a close friend for many years. Wait, that's not what the question's about? No. Like suing this person <laughs> no. for failure to execute? Okay. Do you, do you think the photographer was just like, well, I took you guys all the stuff in your dress in a line. Aren't we good? Well, I took a lot of pictures of the wine at the cocktail hour and I took 
pre-batch pictures of the chicken. Jesus Christ. All right, go ahead. Our wedding officiant was someone I considered a close friend for many years. We asked him to do Uh-oh. a ceremony as a joke, which eventually evolved into a real idea, and we thought it would be really fun. He is a great public speaker and has a great sense of humor. My husband right. and I are not religious, and we didn't want anything too traditional or sappy. The friend, we'll call him Jack, was definitely more my friend than my husband's. Jack is a very emotional, sensitive man, whereas my husband is much more stoic and reserved. They got along fine and hung out in groups, but it wasn't like they were going to go get a beer, just the two of them. Jack and I had gone on a couple dates years ago, but nothing really happened, and we both realized we'd be better as friends. My husband knew this going in and was fine with it. He's very secure and trusting of me. This year, things seemed to really shift with Jack. He'd always been very social, often going out many nights a week, staying out late on weekends, some work-related, some not. This year, though, it amped up, and he would often be out most of the night, even on weekdays, leaving his wife and four kids at home without him. I was friends with Jack first, but have since become great friends with his wife as they met after Jack and I had become friends. We have a little friend group of about half a dozen people, and we always tried to make an effort to get together once or twice a month and kept in touch almost daily through a group chat. This year, Jack became close friends with a client of his who was younger and single. Ever since they started hanging out more, Jack's behavior became erratic, and he began withdrawing from our group. At my bachelorette party, Jack showed up to the nightclub where we were dancing almost the instant his wife left. We were all drinking and dancing as you do at bachelorette parties. He was extremely handsy with me, and every time I'd move around or try to dance with my girlfriends, he'd pull me back towards him and be inappropriate. I called in a night pretty quickly after that. I woke up the next morning crying and panicking that I couldn't let him perform our ceremony after that behavior. After talking over with my now husband, we decided to chalk it up to a night of drinking and stupid behavior. And then it wasn't worth it to have to explain to everyone who knew he was doing the ceremony and blow up our friend group over it. The week of my wedding, Jack went missing. All day and night, his wife and kids couldn't get a hold of him and he wouldn't answer any calls. Him and his wife have tracking apps on their phones. His location was at a hotel less than 15 minutes from his house. We all know what's happening. The photographer friend drove there and reported back that he was all right. He claimed that he had gone out for drinks with a client, drank too much to drive home. I called bullshit. Uh -uh. Nobody does that less than 15 minutes from their house. Uh Uh-uh. His wife tried to believe him and moved on. About a month after my wedding, while out for beers with a friend group, which Jack's wife attended, Jack pulled me aside to tell me he was planning to divorce his wife because they had too many differences. He told me he hadn't told me before because he was afraid we wouldn't let him perform our wedding ceremony. The kicker was that his wife's mom was actively dying of cancer. Jack said he was going to wait until after the mom died to make things easier. He told everyone in our friend group this, putting us all in a really uncomfortable position. Oh, my gosh. Over the summer, I heard from people around town that saw him kissing women or behaving inappropriately. Members of the friend group each approached him with support and kindness and tried to figure out what was going on. Two weeks after the wife's mother died, Jack asked for a divorce. His wife was blindsided, devastated, and ended up in the hospital because of her shock and anxiety. Friend group rallied around her and tried to be as supportive as we could to both of them. Both of them. This is awful. This is a podcast where we, this is very long and awful and scary and sad. Months months went on. You wait till you hear what the question is. Once and on, we all kind of grew apart. I keep in touch with some people from the group, but there's a lot of distance between Jack and everyone. After several unanswered texts from me to him trying to check on him, I basically called him out and said, what the fuck? You're one of my closest friends, and I'm very worried about you. We meet for a happy hour to discuss everything. He tells me there's always been a part of him that wishes that we would have tried to be a couple, and he's always loved me as more than a friend. 
I told him that made me uncomfortable, and I wish he hadn't shared it with me. I called him out for being inappropriate at my bachelorette and told him he couldn't respect my marriage and husband. I would not be able to maintain our friendship. He told me he needs some distance. Cut to the next day. He's texting me, inviting me to a party at his house with nobody else from our friend group invited. My question is, am I the asshole for abandoning him when he's clearly going through something? Stop. I think, okay. Stop. This is the ultimate example, Eliza, of what you talk about where women write into the show worried that they were somehow Just to hear themselves talk. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Are you the asshole? No. No. I will say, this is not, I don't want to be like one of those things where like, well, what were you wearing? I think you have had some inkling of an idea that this guy holds a torch for you. And your husband kind of knew it too. But he hadn't done anything wrong. And I get it. Sometimes it's like, well, we're friends. And he's, when I started dating Noah, there were like one or two guys in my life where Noah was just like, I don't like that guy. And you can be friends with him and you can invite him, but like, I don't like him. And eventually, and like, those are men that like, we were friends, but like kind of had a thing for me, but it's okay because we're dating other people. And eventually those people just kind of go away because you're married. Um, You're not the asshole. Definitely lean on your husband for this one. This person has put you through a lot. And the photographer, I'm still hung up on the photographer. I'm more mad at the photographer than this guy. This guy is showing such horrible character. It's not like he was getting a divorce, which would be fine. But like all of these things lined up, telling everyone that he was going to leave the wife, but the wife leaving right after that, cheating on your wife. And again, these, you can still be friends with someone who is a shitty husband, but telling you he has feelings for you, like, why do you want to be this person's friend? And you're friends why? supposedly with his wife. I mean, and you're worried about what how this guy's doing. Everybody in your friend group reached out to him to try to help him. He wouldn't let anyone help him. Like, at a certain point, you got to cut. You let him go. Cut, cut your losses. Yeah, and it's so easy to do. Be like, sorry, it made me uncomfortable. And my marriage comes first. And then here's the thing you have to get through your head as a girl, which is so aggressive. I don't mean to say it that way. It doesn't matter what their response is. There are some things in life where you're like, this is my answer. This is not a conversation. Like, it doesn't matter if he says sorry. It doesn't matter if he takes it back. It doesn't matter if he still wants to be your friend because, say it with me, you don't need that friendship. And I'm sure your husband, sure as shit, like, isn't pumped about that either. There's no place for this person. What are you, what's the best outcome that he meets someone, gets married, gets healthy, is in a great relationship. And like you guys hang out knowing that he always has had a thing for you. The kindest thing you can do for him is to be like, I just, like, I think you're great. I just can't put my, it's too uncomfortable. I can't put my marriage and not so much in jeopardy, but like, I can't have that around my marriage. That's protecting your marriage. Well, and it's just, it's disrespectful to the question asker that, that this person just keeps Making moves. Yeah. And like, by the way, like cool liquid courage, you were like gropey, like on your bachelorette party, like you don't fucking need that. Mm. No, you're done. Get your husband to listen to this so he can nod his head in agreement with me. <laughs> you're done. Don't, you can't do that. Now you now that you fully know, now that it's not uh, like, I don't know, maybe, well, he's still my friend, my friend from this, my friend from that. Now that you have rock hard proof, mm-hmm. why would you still be friends with this person? Is he that incredibly funny? Does he get that many free Bruno Mars tickets? Like, (laughs) if it were reverse and your husband was like, she's been my best friend since middle school 
and she like grabbed on him at his bachelor party and then confessed that she loved him. Like, would you want to hang out with that woman? No. Uh -uh. You're done. You're not the asshole. You know you're not the asshole, but you needed a celebrity comic to confirm it. So I'll go call you one. (laughs) (laughs) Kablam. Hello, AI crew. I've been a long time Eliza fan. Love seeing you in Denver and adore the pod. It's been a joy to listen to. I have a question I'd love to get your input on. My in-laws just got a four-month-old border collie puppy, and I love that oh for God. them. But my husband oh my God. Did and she I- send pictures? No. Did she send pictures? No, this is <gasps> this post is not about how cute the Now I've got a, I've got a Google four-month-old Google. border collie. Hold on. Let's just Google border collie. Oh, my collie. God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Tianfu just looked up. Oh, my God. Go back to bed. She's Go jealous. Go back to bed, you beast. Okay. My Board husband, college. but my husband and I have two small children, three years and five years, both boys, and we are expecting our third, a girl, in the next two weeks and have consciously made the decision to not have a dog in our house at this time. My in-laws are expecting to stay in our house while I'm at the hospital giving birth with the puppy. So am I the asshole if I don't want their dog in my house? They would be sleeping in our master bedroom and the puppy does have a crate, but I just don't like the idea of a rambunctious, super high-energy puppy in my bedroom, peeing on the carpet, chewing on my bedpost, my in-laws bickering with each other about who was supposed to take the dog out, etc. And then my young children already dealing with a massive shift in their life with the addition of a sister, also having to navigate the frenetic environment the puppy will bring. My husband wants to support what I want, but also doesn't want to upset his parents. So he's leaning toward just having his parents stay. His parents have said they, quote, really want to be involved during this time. However, I've made a plan B arrangement with our nanny to stay the night and at this point just wondering what the best course of action is. Should I feel in the right to put my foot down and ask my in-laws to not stay with the dog or should I chill out and let them bring the dog and stay for a night or two? Thank you, Francesca. It's both. First of all, you're having a baby. So the fact that your comfort And peace of mind isn't at the forefront of everyone's mind is so fucking selfish. It's up there with like wedding stuff. Um, You're having a baby. It's whatever you want to do. It is a little annoying that they want to bring the puppy. The puppy may not pee on everything and he may not bite everything. You don't want to think about it. Why are they staying in your master bedroom? Where are you to sleep? Master bedroom when you're giving birth. Are you going to be in the hospital and you just aren't going to be there? I guess I think, so she's going to be in the hospital, so they're going to be there taking care of the kids while they're at the hospital. And so she's like, I've arranged a plan B of having the nanny come stay with the kids because the parents are going to come over with a puppy and the kids are already like, oh, new baby's coming. It's a lot going on. Well, it doesn't really matter if the puppy's super well behaved and it not doesn't pee and it doesn't bite on stuff. Like you've asked that that not happen. I think the kids can handle both. I think the little kids would love a puppy. You don't want to come home to a mess. You don't want to come home. And there's no way that they can't guarantee that. I don't think, and yeah, and I I get, you don't want to excite the kids about the puppy and then you bring home the little, and then you take the puppy away. It's whatever you want. You're the one having the baby. It sucks that they just got the puppy. Maybe they can come a little later or maybe they can visit, keep the puppy at home and come. They should be listening to what you want. If they got someone to take care of the puppy at their house while they came while you were giving birth, yeah. would you want that? Like, yeah, I think that's she's is, okay with that. Do you want them to stay there and it's the puppy that's the issue? In which case, they have the, tell them to get a dog babysitter. Or is it that thing, and I do this too, where like you're building it up in your head. Meanwhile, like these people are extremely clean, always respectful. Like, is it, are they kind of like, why don't you trust us? You know, are they the kind of people that would, you don't want to come home and it's been a mess, but you also don't want to like, 
get your kids riled up and then there's a baby and then there's a puppy or it's fine. People do it all the time. So I think you have to really ask yourself, like, what is it? Have you Are they sloppy and you know they are and you don't want to say it? Like, what is it about that? But they should respect whatever it is that you want. That's it. Mm-hmm. That being said, we had a power outage here these last 48 hours and we just got power back last night, which is, if you're listening to this podcast a couple of days ago, and I asked a friend if I could, I had a writing session and I was like, if I don't have power back, can we come over to your house? and write in your living room, like, and use your TV because we put the script up on the TV. And she was like, absolutely. Like being such a good friend, she was like, but could you leave Tianfu at home? I think it will upset my cat. And I, of course, the answer is yes. Like that's such a nice favor. Yeah. But my first thought is like, or put your cat down. <laughs> so I can't bring Tianfu. <laughs> I'm like, or fuck your cat. She can stay in the closet. You know, we forget you're like guests in other people's homes. So the cat's fine. We got the power back. The dog's okay. <laughs> you have so many nice friends that let you come over. You have a friend that let you come over to their guest house to do an interview. That was oh yeah, what, during that, another your power internet outage. was bad. Not an interview, uh, an audition because there That's was right. power. Yeah, power out. And I didn't get it. Listen, this all comes down to as a woman not being okay with saying, "Here is what I'm asking for," because you're afraid of how you be perceived. You got your husband to back you up. Don't check back in. We really don't want the puppy here. I think it's too much. Thank you for understanding done. It doesn't matter what their response is. And then just like never check that text again or let your husband deal with it. My name is Lauren and I started listening to your podcast a week before my freshman year of college. You've been the most significant part of my life that has shaped me into the person I am now besides my parents. I listen to every podcast and watch all your specials. I've never been more confident and sure about what I want out of life because of you. I'm the most confident person at the bar going up to men and flirting with them because of this podcast, LOL. I love that. All the, all the fantastic advice you've talked about, I use every single day. Right. Now I'm in my last semester of college and graduating in May. She's like, now I'm failing out enjoy- of college and no one likes me. It's your fault. <laughs> I know I enjoy my last semester of college without stressing about finding a job before the end of college. I love college and enjoy my major, sports management. I'm so nervous about finding the perfect job. I have a lot of experience in my field. I interned for my college football team and an MLB team over the summer. I can't stop thinking about life after college, but I want to savor my last semester. I've applied to over 100 jobs and they have yet to work out. Any advice about my situation is welcome. Number one, this person sounds like they're in a a comedy, a teen comedy about college. She's like, I've had four perfect years of college. Yeah. I'm very confident and I work for the sports Then she team. hits her head and has to go back to college just sort of graduating. First of all, get someone to look at that resume. Second of all, I think you're like only sending your resume to what? You're going to say it's like an issue in the marketing market? No, I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say, guess what? Look at it. Tailor your resume. Do not yes. shotgun blast yes. applications. Yes. Apply to five things that you spend a lot yeah. of time on your cover letter and tailor your resume using the keywords that are in those applications because everybody is applying to a million jobs right now. So you applying to a hundred with okay applications, not going to get you anywhere. Apply to five with really tailored applications. And listen to me. Like, I don't know what kind of teams you're going for. I'm sure everyone goes for like the top NFL, NHL, MLB teams. There's farm teams. There's other college teams. Use the resource. I know you didn't ask this, but I'm telling you, Use whatever connections. Squeaky Wheel gets the grease. Is there an alumni? Like look up the alumni dictionary. Is there somebody in a sports organization that went to your school and they don't even work in management, but they work in the marketing for the Pistons? Send them a fucking email. 
send emails. Can I take you to coffee? I would love to pick your brain about how you got to where you are in your career. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do in my career. Like, I would love if you have a few minutes to chat. Like, because a resume, somebody will connect. Is great, but like somebody vouching for you and like handing your resume over to just someone else in the company puts you at the head of that pile. Um, You can do both. When the anxiety about worrying about your job becomes too much, then realize, hey, I still got this semester of college. It's cool that you're realizing life as you're living it because that's very hard to do. So the answer is just do what you're doing. Like take that break. But I don't know. I feel like your mind is kind of drifting toward the future and that's very normal and good because I promise you, there are people who not only have been applying since before you, but are like getting their tools even more sharpened. So you're right to worry about those things. And you can take it easy. But what will be less stressful is if you know you have a job coming out of college or at least a prospect versus like, okay, I surfed all summer. Now what? You want to get left in the dust. So put your energy toward that, knowing you can stop and take a break and just really savor the time with your friends. Just taking a minute to like take it in. Right. If you set reasonable goals, like I'll apply to two jobs a day or I'll reach out to one person a day. And then, so then you can kind of like mentally check off. Okay, I did that for today. The rest of today, I don't need to worry about it. Yeah, I love a treat like that. I know that you didn't write in asking for that. You're like, how do I chill out? We're like, there's no time to chill out. You got to send a cover letter. <laughs> That's, those are our answers. <laughs> uh, okay. Hi, Eliza and Emily. Gang, longtime listener, first time emailer. I have a friend from childhood. Like we went to preschool together and then my family moved away. Our moms are still best friends, but this friend and I are not. Uh-oh. I was a bridesmaid in her wedding eight years ago. We have not seen each other or talked on the phone in a few years. We text occasionally, but not super close. Anyway, she asked me to be her baby's godmother. The friend who they have asked to be the godfather lives several states away, and we don't know each other. I asked her what the title of godmother means to her. Don't they have to be married? Don't the godfather and godmother have to— You're going to split the kids up if you die? That's weird. Well, if it's more superficial, like being a positive influence and support, moral compass, whatever, but she answered that it would also be legal guardianship if something were to happen to her and her husband. I don't feel comfortable agreeing to these terms, given I don't feel that close to her and have never met her child. We live far apart. I know we won't see each other much throughout her child's life. If I tell her no, I feel like an asshole. No. Do people agree to these godparent titles in hopes that the guardianship component will never actually be necessary? Am I overthinking this? I'm certain if I tell her no, our relationship will be over. I guess I'm just wondering how serious these titles actually are. I don't want to promise something I can't actually follow through with. Thanks for any insights you have. I always appreciate your level-headedness. I'm an engaged 35-year-old female and do not have any children. I don't know if you want children. So there's also that. Like, maybe you don't want children or maybe you only want your own children. So only you can answer that. I don't know how legally binding it is if she names you on the paper. I feel like that's another movie premise too. Like, what do you mean I was named? But- Let's say it is binding. You don't, if you don't want that responsibility, I think it's, it's so respectful to be like, that is so sweet. I know we've known each other a long time. I don't think I'm in a place to offer that. I don't think I'm right for it. And I just wanted to give you the respect of say these words. Like I wanted to give you the respect out of the fact that we've known each other for so long of like really thinking about it and what's best for your kids and the type of life that I live. Not that you're like a heroin addict, but like, I just don't think it should be me. But hey, I'm always here for a birthday present. That's fair. What just because it's, on? it's one of those things in life, like sometimes there are questions, like just because you asked it means you get it. Like if I ask you like, so 
am I invited to your birthday? Then you have to be like, yeah, do you want to come to my birthday? Like sometimes just by asking, it's implied that you're going to get it. This, it does not have to be one of those. So Mm -hmm. once again, it's a girl being like, I have a boundary and something I'm comfortable with. Am I an asshole for wanting to be comfortable? (laughs) Definitely do not take that job. (laughs) What is up with this woman with a child that she's like, who should have legal guardianship of my kid? That woman I haven't talked to in a few years? Perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe she's just a weirdo or whatever. The point is you don't want it. You don't want it. Maybe you do, but if you don't, you don't. And, and Does your baby have godparents? No. Um, but I'm thinking of asking this girl. Because <laughs> I think it's just based on the type of baby and I got the best baby. <laughs> uh, no, she doesn't, but we do need to, in, God forbid, in the event that something horrible happened, I do need to have someone. It can't be your parents because they're too old. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did I did put on a paperwork. If I die, my money does go to my parents because I figure I'll probably die before them. Yeah, that's awful. And they don't need $12 in Dunkin' Donuts gift cards. <laughs> they can pay off my house. They don't need $50 in expired oh. Blockbuster coupons. <laughs> I, oh, it's in the other room. I was, I could put on my little Blockbuster beanie for you, but it's in the other room. It's a gift card for Miami subs. <laughs> okay, top of the cup. Finally. It's the top of the cup. We're doing it right. Every day. You just take a bite. Top of the cup. You got a biggie. I do. My top of the cob is that Volvo said they would buy my car back. It did not come through the lemon lawyer that we retained. It did not come through any conversation with Volvo. It came through me sending a buckshot email to any important looking <gasps> email address I get my hands on. Because you got an automatic bounce back a few, uh, quote, All automatic of them. bounce back a few days later on that. Except for info at Volvo or like customer service at Volvo. This woman, we scheduled a call. I was like, is anything we say on this call? Does anything we say on this call, like, get me closer to whatever? Because usually you just, like, tell them your story. And then they're like, okay, thank you so much. And I got an email. They're like, we've reviewed your case. We will buy back your car or give you $4,000. I was like, "Uh, you can buy back this fucking lemon-flavored clunker. So it worked. I wrote a real email. I got somebody real. It had nothing to do. I didn't, like, put them on blast on social media. I just went through the proper channel and it worked. So, yeah. Thanks for nothing, Volvo. When do you actually give it back? Uh, I actually give it back. It's like one to three weeks, they contact me. So I will be monitoring that. And that is my biggest victory. Right at the buzzer of turning 40. Is it in writing? It is in writing. That they'll buy it back. Yeah, it's okay. an email. It's an All emails are in writing. Your turn. <laughs> Maybe that's that. My job the go. Top of the comp is that I went to this Atlanta comic convention, whatever. And it was so funny because, you know, Walking Dead is a big show here in Atlanta and I guess across the earth. Yeah. And so it was like 90% Walking Dead guests. But there was a guy I walked past. My mom is very in love with the main man in Walking Dead, Andrew Lincoln, like very in love with him. And I was supposed to keep an eye out because if he was going to be there that weekend, I was going to take her, but he was not an attendee. But I thought I saw him. And then I realized... Okay, the character in The Walking Dead is named Rick Grimes. Okay, that's this man's name, the character. There is a man that goes by Mick Grimes that is just an impersonator (laughs) of this Walking Dead character. He had his own booth, and for $45, you could take a photo with him. And he's fully dressed up as the character. He's like, you get three poses. They have a backdrop and props. And I... Love that so much. I was like, you found a niche. Like, I guess he does really well on Twitter doing these like Rick Grimes 
not even a parody. Like, he is just trying to be this character. Mick Grimes is just, and he makes money for, like, cancer charities. I thought it was so hilarious that I immediately called, like, three people. Like, I'm standing at this booth. This man's name is Mick Grimes. It's that, like, (laughs) weird extended universe celebrity adjacent like grabbing just a bit of like something random for fame and being like, here's, I ironically am famous and now I actually am. He had merch. He had shirts with his face that said Mick Grimes instead of Rick. He had autographed photos. You could take photos with him and then a guy pretending to be Negan, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character who was called like I.B. Negan and fake Negan and fake Rick. I was, I just, I I love the idea that they, like, get up in the morning, like, I got to do my job dressing up as a character on a show that is no longer on the air and, like, making money off of it. I mean, he carved out a niche. God bless him. But I also, I mean, I guess if he's making a living, there is a market. So you can't get mad at him for it. No, I mean, people were taking photos with him when I was there because I walked by because I was like, if the photo is like $10, I'm going to do it because I think it's so funny. Exactly. 45, no. no. (laughs) Yeah, there's always that thing where like, you're like, I'll ironically do this dumb thing. Oh, it's my life savings? Okay, it's not funny. But I guess, I guess you're part of the problem. It's also like, how does he explain that on a first date? Like, so what do you do? She's like, he's like, okay, well, (sighs) you know, like you're walking down. (laughs) Here's the big problem also is that in the show, I guess, Andrew Lincoln at the end of the show had like a very specific haircut and it's not a nice haircut. It's like not attractive. And this man has that exact hair. It's you not saw a an good opening. look. Yeah. Some, it's like the guy who died on Hollywood Boulevard that looked kind of looked like a methy Christopher Reeves. And he's like, I could take this to the bank. I was once good looking. So I'm gonna make a living. Bottom of the cup. Hmm. Yeah, that's even weirder because then there'll be like Comic-Cons of Comic-Cons. Like it's just for your local, like weird celebrities that imitate celebrities. I would actually go to that if that was a, if that was its own thing. What's your bottom of the cup? My bottom of the cup is, I wish the post office was open more hours. I got to go mail some things and they're only open certain hours and I get it. They have places to be, but I got places to be and I want to come mail something and I'm sick of going between like eight and 12 on Saturdays with all the other, all other idiots like me who couldn't get there during the week. I mean, you work remotely, so you could definitely go during the week. I could, but okay. I mean, I was going to go this morning. I forget what happened. I should go here. Okay. You know what my mom is? When I got to drive to the post office. Okay. All right. Maybe you should take a nap. My <laughs> bottom of the cob is no matter how old I get, how inept people are when it comes to RSVPing. Oh, I just like, I feel bad in case any of my friends are like listening to this, but like I craft an email and I'm like, please read whole email. Must present negative PCR test. I don't care if you don't like it. Like it's a free party. Like just be considerate and make sure we're not going to all die. And RSVP to this email. So many people just didn't. And I guess I understand if you can't make it, just being like, I can't make it. But a lot of people could. And they were like, oh yeah, I forgot to RSVP. One person I texted with, she was like, I'm on it. Sorry, today's been crazy. I'm doing it. Still hasn't done it. And you don't want them to arrive. And it's like, sorry, you didn't RSVP. But it's just like, who the fuck raised these people? So many men, I had to be like, did you get it? And they're like, oh yeah, I got it right back. And I'm like, it's just, it's so many people that I just will never see again after this party. This is my farewell party. This is my 40 year old, it's my birthday party, but my farewell to 90% of the people on the list who are just so rude. Is it at a location or at uh, your home? It's at a location. Oh yeah, so they can't mess around. They can't just be wandering up. People don't get like, there's a list. Like this isn't, 
people are just rude. Or like, can I bring someone? It's like, not if it's not your like husband or wife. I don't want you to bring like a random weirdo. I saw a social media thread about that where someone was like, how do you, like, how do you tell people if the person isn't your significant other yeah. that you've been with, your, you can't bring them. Like, And so they were, everybody was going back and forth with what to say in an invite to be like, you cannot just bring a friend. I literally wrote, no plus ones, this invite is yours alone. And the Perfect. amount of people who are like, me plus one, me plus Kim, me plus Jordan. And you're just like, Okay, because I painstakingly went through and got everyone's SO's email. So it's like, they're getting an email. Anyways, my party's going to be dope regardless of these assholes. You're going to have to report back on who who crashed. I will. Who's- <laughs> and I hope to see you all in the coming weeks at my show in Las Vegas. And it's like we always say in the industrial copier business. Don't touch that, it's hot. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.